Welcome to On The Couch with James Field and Ian Harris. It's episode 142 for the 9th of July, 2010. How are you doing, James? I'm very well, Ian. How are you? I'm good. And uh, here we are back on the couch, episode number 142. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's action-packed this week, this week, where we're going to chat about what's happening in the world of broadcast and entertainment technology. Content delivery, mobile, Bit gaming. Of, uh, gaming action and... Uh, no other. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's much other, but I'm sure something <laughs> otherish will come up during the, we might, the course of the podcast. We might think about something usual. indeed, yes, as we often do. So without further ado, we know your time is valuable, so let's kick off with the big news that mobile TV might be dead again. <laughs> might be dead again. <laughs> and, yes. you know, it keeps uh, dying, but it just you won't lay yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> it's, is it zombie TV? It's zombified. It keeps <laughs> sort of staggering forwards. But this is quite, I think this is quite a big point because at one time, mm. Qualco, Qualcomm, sorry, mm-hmm. who had their Flow TV solution, which is, I think, arguably one of the more deployed mobile TV solutions. Yeah, it certainly got a lot of traction in the mm. US and uh, the UTC got, uh, got behind it. But it seems that Qualcomm are, I don't know if they're, di- this is ditching Flow TV, but... Um, yeah. They're not selling the product elsewhere anymore. I yeah. Guess. It says uh, yesterday during a press conference at Qualcomm's uh, developers conference in San Diego, the CEO reckoned that uh, they're trying to pull together a new strategy for Flow TV and they're looking for a partner mm. to operate the business or someone to acquire it or something else or anything as long as they don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> well, I guess it's kind of mated with their CDMA stuff, which I know a lot of operators have moaned about paying the royalties for. Mm. Now these the, the key patent holders for uh, CDMA are Qualcomm, mm-hmm. and there's a similar kind of patent pool for the GSM standards. Yeah, um, and then it's quite quite expensive. So, and uh, people have yet to monetize mobile TV, I guess, from a you know broadcast standard. And yeah. obviously, the the you know, mandating DVB-H in other countries yeah. is fairly. Well, that's key obviously as well. why it hasn't had much take up in Europe, which yeah. is pretty much universally uh, got behind mm. DVB-H. But DVB-H hasn't done much either. So. Yeah. Actually, on the um, maybe segueing to technology, I did see. We, I think it was today that Bolivia has selected the ISDBT standard for terrestrial TV. Ooh, that's interesting. Um, and it looks like there's, that's a Japanese standard for terrestrial mm. TV. And obviously, there's the ATSC one for North America, um, pretty uniquely, and then DVB for the rest of the world. Yes. Um, I'd, clearly, I think Brazil's ISDBT, mm-hmm. um, and it seems like quite a few Latin American countries are looking. Mm. To go that way, I guess that's uh, the influence of Japanese C vendors, pretty much. I would guess. I would have thought so. It's like, uh, yeah, um, pick the standard. We've got some chips, and it's all ready to go, and you can have it tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I also uh, saw some company. I think Silicon Labs or something pop out with a a tuner which could do mm-hmm. uh, DVB-S, DVB-S2, DVB-T, and DVB-C on a single chip. Ooh, that's um, nice. But it couldn't do DVB-T2. Interestingly uh. enough. Um, but all the other ones. Quite why you'd want that on a single chip. Um, I don't, I'm not sure. I guess it means you can make one box mm. for all markets if yeah, you're free to wear. And, um, and deploy it. I mean, there's actually a lot of costs in terms of uh, getting one of these boxes and getting it tested and CE marked and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so if it's single hardware and you just say yeah, you use um, it, you just change the connector on the back maybe. Mm, bit of different software in a way you go. Just a little F connector on the back and connect it to anything you like and it might work. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. So, interesting. Yeah, so they've come up with, uh, they've got some, some funky mm-hmm. stuff, but... Uh, 
All right, interesting, interesting. And um, um, now, three D. Um, mm. Nothing's complete without three D these days. Um, at a press conference that I think Sony had mm-hmm. with John Lewis, which is one of the sort of high street retailers here in the UK. Yeah. Um, they sneak snuck out a few details. I think as well as this PS three news, there was also something about uh, next generation iPod Touch as well. Um, suggesting it's got, it's like the iPhone four, but mm-hmm. without the phone, which is kind of pretty similar. For, <laughs> <laughs> these things yeah, but obviously uh, but this is a story about um we, you may have heard us talking about the play tv adapter which i think is only available in the uk for is, um, uh, standard definition dvbt free to air transmissions and you plug it into your playstation 3 uh-huh. and it gives you an epg and you nice. can watch tv and you can use it like a dvr etc etc cool. um, but obviously it's not able to watch the HD version of that, which mm. uses a different modulation standard. Nice segue <laughs> from James there from that Silicon Labs thing. Um, and so they're coming out with a new one allegedly in, I guess, in time for Christmas again, I suppose. Nice. Um, and that obviously is going to need a firmware upgrade to mm. the PlayStation 3, which I guess has got regional firmware differences. I know in, you know in Japan there are some embedded mm. services. Um, so there must be a North America, Japan, and Europe version, I guess, mm. the minimum. But the big news, I thought, was that they're going to support um, 3D Blu-ray disc playback in September. Oh, nice. Just in time for Christmas, and uh, I'm sure we'll see the 3D version of uh, Avatar out just for Christmas. That'll be fantastic. Oh, yeah, I guess so. But you'll have to buy the... You probably have to buy the Sunnies as well, the special Blu-ray Sunnies. Special Blu-ray Sunnies, yeah. And have the special... And or special TV. Mm. And or the dongle that goes in your PlayStation 3 that makes your Sunnies sync up. So... We'll wait and see the, about that. By the time you bought all that and uh, and uh, the PlayStation Move as well and uh, your 3D <laughs> TV, you've... And it also mentions there's a new format for 3D panoramas for cameras. Okay. Well, I'm we just know Sony makes some, some pretty good compact cameras. Yeah. And, uh, releasing... But obviously I've just bought a new compact camera and that's not 3D, <laughs> it's so It's not clearly... 3D, James. It's out oh. of date already. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could... I mean, I don't know if you've seen these rigs for taking 3D photos. But essentially, you have either two identical cameras on a uh-huh. on a jig, and they're just placed you know, an eyeball's width apart, right. and then you put them through some software processing, and it um, pops them out. But apparently, there is a oh, new nice. standard called mm-hmm. the MPO format, okay. the multi-picture object, um, yeah. which is a new new file format for anyone thinking about well, 3D. That, that would be kind of handy because if you can actually keep the two pictures separate then that means you could render them in whatever format is appropriate for the way you're viewing them. Like you do anagliptic, you could do it um, uh, shutter glasses, you could could basically, which is kind of how YouTube does its 3D. You upload it in a kind of non-3D format and it kind of munges it depending on how you want to view it. So that's that's pretty cool. I like it. Hmm. I mean, next camera I buy might be 3D. (laughs) Who knows? Very nice. happy about that. Uh, James, so moving on to uh, radio, because going from 3D, the latest technology, to the oldest technology in the universe. This is a story about what, trying to switch off FM radio Mm. and going just for digital audio broadcasting, which is this kind of... I actually heard an article on on BBC Radio about this. Strangely Mm. enough, I was actually listening to it on DAB, so it was kind Mm. of um, slightly ironic, but um, they're... uh, I don't know what the government's doing now. I mean, the government in the UK has just turned up um, five minutes ago and has all these crazy ideas. So this well, is trying to make money, I think. Quite <laughs> well, clear, yes and no, because they're saying, well, it'll always be local FM broadcasts because you know you can't take 
uh, FM radio away from, you know, grandma sitting in the sticks. Well, there's a gazillion installed devices as well. Uh, yeah, and a gazillion and one. You know, really, there's everything. I mean, all the cars. Not to uh, mention there are some kind of lifeline stuff. I think like pages are still in use by some emergency services mm-hmm. and there's... Um, you know, the RDS system is is yeah, it's traffic banks on it's traffic all data. Sorts of data stuff comes over there. Yeah, there's, I mean, I don't think it's it hasn't been well thought through. I think that's no. The, in fact, in, on one of the, I'm pretty sure. I'm sure our listeners will correct me if I'm wrong. One of the FM radio stations in the UK is probably a BBC one. Actually, carries sub carrier data that gives you extra GPS info as well. Really? Okay. Differential GPS. Yep. So, uh, but that's got to be local stuff. Yeah, I would I mean, imagine, because it it's no good if you're in Scotland getting information from... Uh, <laughs> True. Um, um, but nevertheless, you know, there's all the stuff that's actually been um, bundled onto the FM FM band. Uh, the, and the problem with the DAB in the UK has always been that um, uh, it's never really had quite the uptake that everyone's been kind of hoping for. Okay. Actually, I'm thinking it would work for the um, GPS stuff, because... Uh, what they transmit is, you know, the GPS stuff is offset by a small amount. There's like a dithering feature, which is done mm-hmm. in software. Mm-hmm. So if you know where your transmitter tower is, you can work out precisely what the dither is and you can transmit the, oh, okay. the difference vectors. So right. it wouldn't really matter where you are. Okay. As long as it's the same satellites. Anyway, sorry. I, I, uh, <laughs> Good to know. I, I was just thinking about something else because it's such a dull story, that one. So I think we should move on. Um, <laughs> right, fine. DAB. DAB. So I thought it was quite cool. In Hong Kong, you can now get... A gigabit per second for on, your, on your internet for twenty six dollars. I hope. I guess that's US dollars. I presume it's US Twenty six Hong Kong would be very good value indeed. Indeed, but even twenty six anything. 26 and it's symmet- symmetric one gigabits per second. No, as well. you're, you're kidding me. One. That's that's fantastic. So you can pirate all the stuff you get, <laughs> putting it straight out streaming, <laughs> and send it straight out again. Uh, yeah. I was, uh, and I was getting pretty excited about my uh, ten megabit. Uh, oh, upstream you are from so infinity last year. Two orders up. of magnitude. Yeah, that's amazing. One gig, that's that's nice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I presume that's pretty good bandwidth around Hong Kong. I don't know what the bandwidth is to anything. Yeah, well, Kong. don't forget, I mean, Hong Kong's pretty much got its own kind of language, really, so they've a lot of content that must swirl mm. around inside Hong mm. Kong. Um, and it's quite a good uh, network interchange point for Asia anyway, so mm, that's uh, true. And, big, and direct links across the US as well. Uh-huh. So they must do fairly well there. I mean, having lived there, I can say that it's uh, it was pretty good. But I used to have better bandwidth at home than I did at work. Wow. So I guess you know times ain't a changing. But this is provisioned essentially by uh, I think it's a um, passive optical network direct to the home, so it's fibre to the home. Nice. Which makes sense. Hey, what couldn't you do with one gig? I mean, yeah, and eighty-one percent of people. Uh, or more than 81% of people in Hong Kong have broadband, which oh. is pretty stunning, really, isn't it's it? It's pretty high penetration. Yeah. Hmm. But it's a very small place. It is. As you know. Um, so, what else is happening in the world of content delivery? Well, uh, I didn't know if I was... Um, uh, I was going to know if I, we would put this in content delivery because it's not really um, content <laughs> delivery in the but kind of... Legal kind sense of loosely of related, mm-hmm. isn't it? So, Our old buddies, the Pirate Bay. Yeah, so they've got hacked. And so Pirate Bay is a website which contains a lot of pointers to content, essentially. And uh, their user base has been hacked. So one of the... Uh, what sort of person signs up for an account with the Pirate Bay? I don't know. I mean, are you, Do you need to? You've got to be stupid, haven't you? I mean, <laughs> hey, here's my name and address. Yep, well, they've downloaded the site's entire user database, including their names, IP addresses, email addresses... Four million registered users. 
But this is just an SQL. It's a cross-site scripting attack or something. Mm. You'd think the Pirate Bay would pay... I, mean, I guess they don't really bother, do they? I mean, you know... Um, as, as any other website, the yeah. Pirate Bay has robust parts and soft spots. And uh, apparently they poked around and found something, so... Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? I mean, there are people who'd probably pay for that data, I suppose. Well, you can imagine... The that legal you eagles on commission. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, dear. It's, um, um, but I'm surprised it's only 4 million users. I mean, wouldn't you think there would be a much bigger number? Well, 4 million stuff? registered users. Ah, okay. You don't, you don't have to register, though. You no, do, I mean, so I've heard. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't know but, but that's why I just don't understand why people would register they must have some premium thing where if you register mm. you get you know better access to stuff or who knows. what are they going to do with that like well, I think it was more to the point aren't we clever hackers you know if you were trying to show your you know your uh, kudos as a hacker you're going right. to go for something which is seemingly people are going to know about it if you said you hacked uh, you know my aunt May's uh-huh. blog right it's not very exciting is it you want to go mm. for the pirate bay who mm. are I guess pariahs of hacker culture I suppose aren't they <laughs> although you know I don't, yep. what, what they do isn't particularly clever it's just a directory but um, well what they've said is the, the hackers are have said they're, they're not they're not trying to sell it exactly well they're still waiting to be they're being um, which clearly means they need a bigger offer <laughs> yeah, well they, they've got to pay 3.6 million dollars in fines so there we go um, but they, I guess the money won't go to Pirate Bay unless they have some weird spin where they say okay any money we get we'll give the money to Pirate Bay to pay their fines Mm. That'd be quite yeah, wacky, be circular it? like that. Mm. So one of the other big weeks in on the internet, a bit more legitimate than Pirate Bay, is mm-hmm. YouTube. Some would say, yep. And they've—I haven't seen this yet, but yeah, they, they have a kind of lean back service for YouTube, where it basically, based on what you've—I guess what you've previously watched—it mm-hmm. makes a streaming feed of YouTube stuff. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's kind of nice. It, uh, it's all full screen. It's all HD where available. And it's uh, designed to be, well, you know, the same. I mean, this Isn't this a bit like Juiced? Juiced did this yeah, as well. Uh, I mean, the the interface is not really an interface, more a list of videos, and you can scroll through them with the arrow keys. They still have the fundamental problem is that you need a keyboard connected to your computer, and the computer needs to be connected mm. to a big screen. Right. Um, or but, you can uh, use a PS3 or something, presumably. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's all PC-based at the moment, and... I mean, mm. when, it, when you talk about full screen, you mean full browser screen, so... It didn't yeah, you still need some kind of other controller, yeah. and uh, it's not very intuitive, is it? So, um, so I, I mean, I went through the process of signing up to YouTube, because you need to be a person on YouTube in order to use it. Okay. Uh, and uh, then it started playing um, random YouTube videos at me, it was like, yeah, that's cool. Well, they would be random, because if you only just signed up, <laughs> I don't know who you are, do they? So. But it's kind of nice if you link your Facebook mm. account with your YouTube account, then it'll start playing all the stuff that your friends are uh, kind of shooting around as well. So mm. the whole concept of uh, seeing what other people are watching and watching it as well is actually pretty cool. It's like, oh, yeah, I saw oh, that okay. too. Oh, yeah, you saw it because I actually recommended it and it popped up in your oh, feed. Right. So that's kind of cool. Let's check that out. So that's called YouTube Lean Back. Yep. Is it, is it goes, easily, goes, readily, goes, you know, once you've signed up, is it, is it in your face? Yep, and where you go. There it is. Okay. I'll to give that a go. So you give that a thumbs up, eh? Yeah, it's pretty good. In the TIFO does, world. Does the job. Hmm. That's a job indeed. Okay. So, um, is that on your? Are you watching that on your Wii or something? Or? <laughs> no, I was just on my laptop. Um, okay. I don't know how you do it on the Wii. But yeah. the Opera browser, you just fire oh, up yeah, YouTube, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I'll have to give it a go. Yeah, I'll probably tell you a while to update your Wii because you haven't used it for so long. Yeah, that's right. I have to update four hundred and sixty-two versions or something. Versions, yeah. <laughs> um, so back on three uh, D sales. Yeah, no. Yeah, this is essentially. 
IMS Research, one of these research companies, is projecting that nearly 6 million 3D TV sets will ship worldwide in 2010. Mm. I guess that means 3D capable, right? Yes, because what are you going to watch on it right now? Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, if the PS3 is arguably the largest deployed Blu-ray player, mm-hmm. isn't being cap- made capable until September, mm. and a lot of people seem to have jumped the gun. But then, you know, if I'm going to be in the market for a large screen TV, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be a 3D one. Probably going to choose or 3D, 3D capable one. anyway, yeah. you know. Um, uh, and I must admit, I haven't really done much of a survey yet because I'm not uh, not in the market for one. You clearly are holding out for a very long time with your with my 25 inch CRT. <laughs> so, are you waiting for 40 or uh, 40? Yeah, I, I think that's that's no. I, I think it's about time. And if I get a 3D set, I, I'm still puzzled about what I'm going to watch. I need a I need to get a PS3 and a 3D adapter and a all these yeah everything else. Yeah, the eyeglasses. Um, but stuff. my question is, if they reckon that five million sets, uh, six million sets, or thereabouts. Three D sets will be sold worldwide in twenty ten. Mm. How many TVs are being sold generally? What's that as a percentage of all the total TVs mm. being sold? I mean, if there's a hundred, if there's two hundred million TVs being sold, I'd say that's a very small number. Of yeah, I mean, here. it's no doubt, no doubt. I mean, essentially, it boils down to not very many, but more will be sold. It's not. It's probably more mm. than people expected, but mm. um, it's a bigger number than I would have expected. I would have said twelve. Yeah. <laughs> And we we talked about one of those guys who got the yeah, first one in the UK a few weeks yeah. ago. That's yeah. true, yeah, yeah. And have you um, managed to head down to a pub to watch any 3D stuff? I saw the World Cup finals going to be played in, I think, Malaysia and Astro. They're going to do a 3D oh, nice. play out of it. But I guess it's going to be pubs and clubs, I suppose, or, um, rather than um, in home, again, because yeah. of lack of sets. But uh, Yeah, again, yeah. My, my local pub here, the Fox in Putney, mm-hmm. is... Uh, has 3D on it, but every time I've been there for a game, it hasn't been a 3D one. So, all right, well, you need to get uh, the right ones. Go to whatever the website is, 3dpub.com or something. Yeah, you get yourself sorted out. Try it out. Fantastic. Stand there with the glasses on and take photos of everyone. <laughs> and um, try and drink beer with. You know, yeah, mm, it looks better after two beers. <laughs> I see two points. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, give that a go. Um, right now, augmented reality is mm. the big. Uh, is still the big draw for mm-hmm. everyone. And I have seen a bit of... I've heard of Mateo, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've done a a new... It looks like a sort of Gowala coupled with augmented reality stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you use the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, so rather than use a map, you mm-hmm. use the kind of the real world to look through stuff. Yeah. And the... I think Gineo is part of Mateo. I don't know what that is, but... Basically, if it, it can actually see and recognize physical real objects, and mm-hmm. typically this is, involves some sort of pattern recognition. So early ones right. would have something like the, you know, those 3D barcodes, the QR codes or 2D mm-hmm. barcodes, and then they'd see that and then pop up an image that is, is directly referenced by that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could, um, you know, pop up anything really. So it glues things in real time onto them. So you can say if, if a special, the classic one is, you know, the coupon for the fast food place, if it recognizes the fast food place and it knows where you are, it can pop up real time coupon for you. Mm, cool. Um, so I guess what these guys have done is they have launched a, um, the Gineo open API and enables you to create AR applications and is easy to use. Now the example they've got, uh, they've got a demo the, the whole demo runs for about 27 seconds and right. uh, they grab their iPhone and, and show the camera looking at a box of Lego. Right. And then on the iPhone, on the iPhone display, it shows uh, what the actual 
the in completed the box, thing is, yeah. made up sitting on the box. And as you rotate the camera, the whole picture rotates oh, as if cool. it was actually sitting on top of the box. It's a very cool demo, but hmm. by the same token, um, you could knock that up quite easily in about 30 minutes with some video editing tools. So yeah. I don't know Did you see um, in the London Metro a few weeks back, they had... Uh, they had a dinosaur, similar, another company, not Mateo, where mm-hmm. they basically had to point your webcam on your computer after, download, after downloading a bit of software at it, mm-hmm. and then a 3D dinosaur would pop up out of your Metro paper, mm. which you could then rotate around. So, it's, I mean, it's fairly established technology, but, mm. I mean, the, the challenge I always see with these worlds is if you're augmenting reality, there's nothing in the augmented reality world. It's very empty, <laughs> yeah. uh, unless you happen to be in the place where they're doing the demo. Mm. Uh, and also the barriers to creating stuff although you said it was easy it's still pretty difficult for your average joe well yeah uh, i mean doing a quick and dirty demo is is no problems but actually doing it for more than one object and actually showing that you can recognize objects and then uh putting stuff you know it's it's a big world out there there's lots of things that you yeah. want to be able to recognize and, and the real to. world's quite full so creating <laughs> a, a similarly full you know other world is mm-hmm. uh, going to be a bit of a challenge i mean yeah. i guess you could you could have said the same about the internet uh, true you know, but the internet was everything was linked together. So even if it was small, you would mm. you wouldn't find the edges. I mean, is it, mm. have you ever found the edge of the internet? Mm, I think I fell off it once. But yeah, there you go. Yeah. So it doesn't happen very often, does it? No. Um, so I think you know that's that's good. Seeing more, and obviously the more of these type of apps that get into people's hands, if they're interoperable, mm-hmm. then maybe the virtual world could fill up with stuff. Yeah, and I, but I think there's one missing step. Like, if, if my 3D sunglasses were um, linked to my iPhone and mm-hmm. they had a camera in it somehow and I could wander around the whole world, like, um, uh, what was that book reading? Rainbow's End? And, no, uh, no, no, no. Snow Crash. Or Rainbow End as well. Oh, Snow, Snow Crash yeah. as well, yeah. yeah. Uh, you can wander around and actually see things, you know, floating in midair about people... Uh, yeah, I mean, cool. it's far better to use face recognition to say, oh, that's so-and-so. Yeah, that would be handy if I was wondering be, his, Don't remember Jim from that conference last year that you went to? Oh, <laughs> but that must be fairly possible today to walk down a high street and correlate faces to people on Facebook with that face recognition stuff. That would be, that would be right, quite weird because yeah. you could walk up to them and say, hello, and you could pretend to be one of their Facebook friends and they wouldn't know. <laughs> that would be... Identity spoofing. You can have real-time identity spoofing. Real-time friend spoofing. Yeah. Yeah, I was at that party you were at last week where you yeah, fell over the year. That would be dangerous in the wrong hands. Mm. I think it's going to happen. <laughs> it's not too long. Um, we've seen, I've seen demos of like MIT people doing yeah, that already. That's a scary idea, James. In concept, but I think all mm. the bits and pieces are there. It just mm. needs putting together. Mm. Well, you um, had it here first if they come up with it somewhere. That's indeed. Uh, um, James. Right, the next thing, which is uh, gaming, I guess. Oh, we just oh, no, got no, a bit more mobile stuff. A quick really. one on the mobile. Uh, yeah, not only is, is Flow TV gone, so is the Microsoft Kin. Well, I, I know I was having a whinge with you about this uh, mm. during the week, James, about how the Kin has vanished a mere six yeah. weeks after uh, turning up. And uh, all the They'd be very rare, those, wouldn't uh, they? Are you good? Very rare objects, the Kins. Well, I don't, they, there's some dubiousness about how many have been sold somewhere between 500 and... 8,000, which is kind of like the 3 million they sold for the iPhone 4 on the first day, but a <laughs> few zeros left off. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, 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 I, I, there's a few kind of... Uh, int- it's interesting to read about kind of what's happening in the midst of Microsoft and their acquisition of Danger, uh, which is the firm that made the, the HTC sidekick, okay. which has had its very... Which actually actually had a very uh, very loyal user base actually on uh, T-Mobile, mm-hmm. uh, so it was a chance for 
Uh, the sidekick users to come across, but they didn't use that brand. Um, the danger guys were saying that <clears throat> a lot of their ideas and concepts uh, were knocked back by Microsoft, and, and then they had a whole, whole kind of technology issue about which language they should. You so know, there was like a and, personality clash of the people who. Yeah, that as yeah. well. And so I think that basically Microsoft mm. had difficulty in integrating danger into its uh, yeah. mobile area. Like imagine if you say, well, great, danger, we love your phones. However, You've mm. got to use Microsoft as an operating system and the phone's got to look like this and it's called this. Yep. And, and, and they're going like, well, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, mm. I do feel for the people at Danger and... Um, but I'm sure Mr. Danger cashed out, whoever um, that was. Good yeah, on by the time yeah. they kind of waited for, you know, wait until their retention bonuses kicked in and then went to go somewhere else. But mm. uh, I mean, uh, at least Microsoft now has kind of realized their mistake in terms of trying to do too many things at once. I mean, the the yeah. actual Kin was released a week or two before Windows Mobile 7. If they own the PC like, and they what? own the games platform, you know, that's good enough, surely. Well, got to be in the mobile space these days. Yeah. And I uh, can't let Apple have it all. And, well, this is true. This is true. Um, okay, gaming right. world. Gaming. And um, we talked a little while ago, James, about this uh, on-live service, which yeah. basically renders games at a head end and sends you the video while you play Essentially, without any kind of CPU involved, at your yeah, I think you can play in your browser. Mm. I think you, you obviously need to have the codec or plugin or whatever mm-hmm. installed to view it, and you just use you know your keyboard or whatever it is to come back to you. And um, I mean, this is one report which says, "Oh, it's not very good." Well, I think, um, and I've seen other reports since then saying actually it's very playable. But I think it again comes down to the type of game you're playing. Yeah, um, and maybe even the game design to be honest mm. and whether you're playing head to head against another human or whether it's mm-hmm. you know person versus computer yep um, I mean they're they're talking about a latency of about 150 milliseconds which is when you think about the fact that you know in any sort of normal network link you're looking at I don't know 15 20 milliseconds just to get a packet from yes exactly. the UK to somewhere else uh, so it's not too shabby. It's not um, too shabby, but... Uh, and certainly if you're playing, if I've played online games, 150 milliseconds would be good. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, again, I think... 150 on, milliseconds in terms of getting data around, not actually the actual video itself. So. Yeah, I don't quite know how they mm-hmm. made the measurements, to be honest. I mean, I guess it's more perception rather than reality. Yeah, well, I saw the video and they, they uh, record uh, someone pressing a button uh, on the controller and then looking at when the actual on-screen graphics change in response to that and count the number of frames in between okay. pressing the button and actually seeing it appear on screen. So it sounds pseudo-scientific to me. Yeah, it looks pseudo-scientific. And, uh, yeah. uh, but, I mean, again, you know, the comment there is that uh, the kind of games where it needs to be responsive, like you're, mm. uh, like, uh, you're moving the mouse around and you need to see where the mouse is. Exactly, ends. and that sort of takes us back to that. The Hong Kong story about that gigabits per second. It's mm. like, well, still, what's the ping time for yeah, the things exactly. you're trying to use? What's the sp- that might be the raw throughput rate, but mm. how fast do things respond? And mm. um, we we all see the internet slowing down when we're trying to get websites back. You know, you don't, mm. You're never sure where it is, but um, you know, then, I guess the naive person thinks it's their computer that's slow, mm-hmm. but invariably it's the network or the server. Yeah, and in fact, um, there's now so many places where it could be congested. From, uh, I mean, like I'm pretty sure about five o'clock, uh, everyone around my area switches on their Wi-Fi and uh, cranks up their web browser when uh, when they get home. So it mm-hmm. definitely slows down around five six p.m. 
so I think that that's the Wi-Fi, but it also could be the the actual exchange itself. If everyone's, for example, on BT, it's, it's well, I'm sure there's you know the DSAM will be servicing a number of homes and you're sharing bandwidth. Mm-hmm. You know the contention rate is typically what fifty to one or something. Yeah. So um, when people are firing up, that's gonna that's gonna affect your torrenting. Ian. <laughs> oh, <sorry>. Certainly would. <laughs> if you were. Um, now, had you come across Zebo before? No, this I haven't. Is, what uh, is Zebo? Z or Z W E B O dot com. Now this is, um, I guess it's like Qualcomm again. Mm-hmm. Qualcomm, I guess they kind of had a brainstorming session about you know what else could we use our Wi-Fi networks or our wireless networking for, mm-hmm. um, and they've come up with a kind of embedded games device, right? Which is essentially, and the Qualcomm also have the Brew environment, which is oh, the yeah, that's right. um, it's kind of, is it kind of Java-ish middleware yeah. kind of thing designed for. Applications on, on phones. mobile phones, yeah. basically. Um, and so what they've said is they've launched this service, which is kind of you buy this box, which is basically an embedded games platform, right. which also has the ability to download software updates and new games from the Zebo network okay. wirelessly. So there's no, no internet, no broadband required because it's, mm-hmm. it's done via wireless. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it comes with three embedded games and you can download two others of your choice. So you okay. have to sort of connect it to get the value. It's quite a cheap bit of hardware, mm-hmm. and it runs these kind of brew games, which seem to be of a kind of Nintendo DS type quality. Mm-hmm. And that uh, sounds cool. They've launched in Latin America principally, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess you've got to launch in an area where there aren't really many proper consoles or PC penetration, mm-hmm. and also not much broadband. But I guess you know the usage right. day. And I know that uh, in Latin America, especially in some countries, uh, the cost of cost of goods like the PS3 is so prohibitively expensive that. Basically, no one has them. Exactly, and there is no wireless, and it's, mm. you know, some people have them, but it's the super rich. Yeah. Whereas this is aimed at a sort of more emerging, I guess, middle classes who mm. kids are all aware of PlayStation 3s, but just can't afford them. Yeah. Well, fantastic, um, that's great. And you can play reasonable performance games on your um, TV. Nice. So I think that's quite, um, it's quite an innovative use, and I hadn't heard of it. It's clearly been mm. around for kind of six months or so. Uh, and they seem to have a lot of major sort of games platforms there, but you know, you're clearly maybe you start people getting people addicted to gaming and get them to move up the chain. Fantastic. Um, so not bad at all. Yeah, excellent. Well, that's great. Um, so uh, other games? Have you done any any, any more? You, you need to get yourself a new phone, new TV. You, in fact, um, you're a luddite, aren't you? you um, I'm, I'm behind the times, James. I think it's time to update all my gadgets. Indeed, uh, indeed. <laughs> get gadgeted up. Yes. I mean, you've been playing some great games on your iPad. Maybe, uh, maybe yeah. Yeah. One of those. Yeah, I was um, comparing. I've started to, you know, people with iPhones, and they, they have this sort of iPhone epiphany. It's like, oh, that's, uh, what, what apps have you got? And I've got my iPhone, I'm really happy with mm. it. And there's the iPhone widows who are going, oh, my husband's got an iPhone. You know, and <laughs> now they never talk to me again. There's just this dull glow in the bed where he's downloading <laughs> new apps and going, woo. You know. um, so we'll see. But I am going to want to take my iPad. Um, I'm going away to Europe this weekend to actually mm-hmm. go to Spain. So I shall uh, nice. be there when the World Cup final is on. So Ooh. I've got to see if I can hook myself up with a micro sim so I can get online. Mm, definitely. I'll be It'll fancy. be very exciting to be, uh, be around on Sunday night. Yeah, well, yeah, or not. Take cover, I think, when those Spaniards hit the road hooting the horns. Mm-hmm. Or not, as the case may be. <laughs> we'll see. Yes, I remember being in, uh, being in Sydney in a particularly Greek area when uh, Greece won uh, the 2003 
Euro World Euro Cup, I think it was at the time. Couldn't be the World Cup. <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't drive around the suburb for days afterwards. Yeah. Anyway, well, good luck, James. Don't get stuck. I shall not. And um, we'll catch up with all the listeners. Do send us a uh, feedback to or emails to feedback at onthecouchpodcast.com. And we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll uh, listen to you or you can hear us again in episode 143 coming up soon. Sounds great. Catch you then, James. Bye, Ian. Bye, everyone. Bye. This episode of On The Couch Podcast is brought to you by embeddedadventures.com, your source for embedded kits and things to play with.